Reed, you never used Discord before. Not once. No. You use Slack or something like that for. Uh, yeah, like entirely for work too. There's no pleasure derived in my messaging app. <laughs> I mean, I guess WhatsApp, but that's just like for international friends. Um, mm. You know, Discord is is it's mayhem mm. in a good way, in a good way. But mm-hmm. I, I like keep getting these notifications and I check in and I, there's 90 messages. Like there's it's a lot so to, much to to get through. It it doesn't slow down for for us like working during the day. Yeah, Albert, have you been on the the the, the Heddles Discord yet? No, I I don't even know how to do that. But I've been on other discords, and I find them to be hectic and uh, kind of a scary place. James, you've been quite participatory. Yeah, it's been fun. I I hear what Reed's saying. It is like it's weird because it's similar to Slack in that it's got the it's just got the the channels. But I think it is just the amount of participation. Mm-hmm. It's just like like say there's a you have a notification and then you go on it and there's like. 90 comments if you know what i mean so i think the art of is like replying directly to the thing you're replying to like rather than just putting it back into the channel if you know what i mean you all are incredible it's completely my fault that i feel like the kid that's just getting like surrounded by zombies and we're like i just can't <laughs> keep track of anything that's happening on discord i will mm-hmm. learn i'm learning i am uh i'm a luddite as as everyone <laughs> on, on this podcast knows unfortunately um like I have an analog <laughs> clock in my room still. I enjoy it. Same, same. I got an, I got a we'll yeah. I got a a classic alarm clock, and people think I'm crazy for that. But I, I hear you. Keep it simple. Welcome back to Heddle's Blowout, the show that is endorsed by surprisingly more than zero people who choose to pay for it. My name is David, and I'm the managing editor of Heddle's, joined here by former editor and current writer, Reed Nelson. How's it going? As well as with our features editor, James Smith. Yo. And our writer, Albert Muskiz. Hey guys, what's up? So we're all here, and going to do a little bit of a recap on what we had on the site in the last week. So. Starting out, James, as our features editor, you have the responsibility and the privilege of choosing what new products we decide to feature. And what are some of the highlights we had this last week? The first, what sprung to my mind was that good art ring. And I'm not even going to attempt to, I, I should be able to say it as it's a British term. Do, do you know how to say it? Cladach? Cladach? Is that British or is that uh, from a little bit further north? Like clad I don't know. I know it's like an Irish. It's Very an Irish throaty. thing. Like I'm really familiar with the type of ring that he that Josh is kind of paying tribute to. It's like you see them a lot in England and stuff. They like often pass down through uh, family members and stuff. If you have kind of, you know, I, I'm assuming Irish. I don't. Know. I just definitely have seen that ring um, around. It was just really interesting to see how he like put his spin on it with his branding like the rosette and stuff like that and i was quite surprised to read that he's like it's been four five years in the making but like it's awesome i mean it's 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 like kind of 
it's so typical of his jewelry, but then it's also kind of different to anything the brand's done before in like a subtle way. So, um, yeah, I was just like quite stoked to see him do something that's kind of like really a nod to a traditional piece of jewelry. Um, but with his kind of like his aesthetic and spin on it. I was not a jewelry person at all. And still, I guess, wouldn't consider myself one, but I am mm-hmm. a good art person. But yeah, his stuff is is very, very meticulous. Like Albert, you know, he's an LA guy. I'm sure you've had the chance of uh, of seeing Josh around Self Edge. Yeah, and all I I no longer work at Self Edge, but uh, all pretty much all new Self Edge employees get to tour Good Art to like really. Uh, and any people here who some point want to visit Good Art Foundry, if you come bearing iced coffees, you will be treated very well. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, just like getting a chance to see like the raw, like unmelted, unaltered silver and gold. And I have a curb chain number one, which is like their kind of most low key little necklace. And I got it mm-hmm. in a custom length and I wear it every day. Um, a lot of this stuff's a little big for me, but like, you know, the quality is just incredible and they're such sweet, amazing people. So love them. Yeah. It's funny. You should say David, that you weren't really a jewelry person because I would have put myself in the same category. But when I went to self edge in New York and I actually got to see the stuff like firsthand, cause they sell it at rivet and hide in London. But for some reason, whenever I'm in London, I never managed to swing by there probably because they just they they sell like a lot of slimmer denim and it's kind of a different aesthetic than what i would go for i usually end up spending like a bunch of time in clutch cafe mm-hmm. and um son of a stag wide goods white yeah wide wide boys united um uh, but no like oh, yeah. it was like and i got the i've just got one of the ball chains and i just like a, a bracelet and i wear that every day and it just like it looks so much better now than when I bought it like six months ago. The silver's just got that like slight dark hue, and it's like where it's oxidized, it's like darkened even more. It's like it's good stuff. Um, but that's what's kind of good mm-hmm. about it is like, like you say, a lot of the stuff is quite big, but then even the smaller stuff has that has that charm of the like really big like like badass like biker kind of style stuff, and then. They obviously do the like kind of tongue in cheek stuff, like the straw, like rosette that just goes on. Like, wasn't there like a good art mm-hmm. straw or something? Like, yeah, the boba straw. <laughs> yeah, uh, I've got the chapstick, which is one of my favorites. Yeah, it's just yeah, it's a a chapstick tube with a cap that is made out of sterling mm. silver with the rosette on it. And yeah, they also do like mm. a sharpie cap and uh, the box yeah. cutter that is. Definitely like a sterling silver. I think it's like a $6,000 box cutter that like can modularly attach to a chain that like you can wear around your neck. I just hope there's someone out there like working in a warehouse using a good art box cutter just to like slice stuff open and then like drinking out of a good art straw like on his lunch break. So good art. Very much a uh, endorsed brand around here. And uh, what else we got for us here, James? Also... The Save Khaki Easy Shorts that we featured uh, a few days ago, the ones that are in the 16 whale corduroy. I wanted to ask, the reason I want to talk about these shorts in particular was one, I wanted to know what you guys thought about 
just the like the slow takeover of the easy something like everything's easy now like do we even have a future as a website when we're talking about jeans when everything is an easy pant now it's like yeah it's 14 ounce denim but it's an easy pant like everything's got a drawstring weight i think we got an expert here i feel like i've won this war like it's no longer a battle even it's just like like i i put my i put my but like or whatever I, I threw my stake in the sand in like probably 2015 on this matter when i was on the floor at union made and i was just like hard waistbands are are inessential yeah. uh was the way i looked at it uh it just here's here's the way i see it i was like I can be comfortable mm -hmm. all the time. Like no matter what, I can be comfortable in basically any setting based on the fabrications of this stuff at this point. Why would I choose like like this is choosing <laughs> violence? Like I don't know. I'm <laughs> I'm not sitting I'm, I I know how to I know how to size pants. I'm not here being like I have no idea how to wear my but it's just like I don't know. I I haven't had a single pocket accessibility issue since I've since I've mm. gone down this path. Um mm -hmm. Which I don't know if it's like a main source of style inspiration, but I do like being able to access mm -hmm. pockets freely. Um, I guess just my own. Other <laughs> people's, that's their business. Um, I have been watching this takeover pretty closely just because it used to be like every brand, every season would have one pair of pants for me. And I'd hope that the silhouette was good. And if they didn't, I just sort of like ignore the brand for years. And now I'm like every single brand has five pairs of pants I would own. Um, and so I think the takeover happened. I do think that there's a future though for a place like Heddles because there's like such a wide variance of quality yeah. in these things and, and sort of like durability. I have a pair of easy cords from Verena, the Cosma trouser, which in my opinion is the absolute pinnacle of this. But uh, they, I got them in 2015. And I wear them twice a week in the wintertime minimum. And they're still just like rocking. And they might look better than the day that I got them just because like the whales are kind of mm -hmm. like gone and worn down and stuff. They just look cool. And uh, yeah, that's that's sort of my endorsement for it is like just because there's a not a fixed waistband doesn't mean it can't wear well. And like elastic will break down for sure. But there's ways around it, right? Like with the draw cord and just like. EG does just a ton of shit or Chamala that doesn't have elastic in there, for instance. Yeah. Orslo does the same thing, like with just the draw cord. And so that's my uh like forty-five cents on the matter. But yeah, I I still believe I do believe the takeover is happening personally, but I think there's a I think it's like I think it's like takeover. in correlation with everyone working from home and it's like but then I think that's kind of a naive way to look at it because these kind of products, they're not just designed off the bat of what happened nine months ago or whatever they're like planned way further in advance but yeah i don't know it's it's just something that i'm seeing you know look dealing with new products every week is like just drawstring waist or elasticated waist and cuffs as well like um and like a lot of the japanese brands are doing it as well like um needles and like the other nepenthes brand it just seems like every brand is doing either an easy pan or a take on the cargo pan the cuffs are harder mm -hmm. like the drawstring cuff is fine the elastic yeah, cuff no. to me it's gotta yeah, go no. the elastic, it for me like 
Maybe if it had some really loose elastic, which kind of complemented the drawstring functionality, but like if it's actually like a tight draw, a tight uh, elasticated mm. cuff, yeah, not for me, man. Finally, there is like a wide range of like pants, shorts, trousers that have blended the the ease and comfortable aspects of like joggers but with like good materials like corduroy denim twill ripstop stuff like that so i can see it's definitely gonna be a good few years for you reed mate i'm still a skeptic i must say um i mean like i just i can't i'm a person who tucks i tuck my shirts in a lot and i just can't get i don't know i'm wearing slouchier stuff i'm wearing slouchier softer stuff than i've ever worn before so i'm getting the comfort but unless it's like I've had some vintage Boy Scout shorts that have a partially elasticated waist. And then I've picked up some like French workwear when I was in France that had like the like a partial elasticated waist on some things I'm like, I, I can get down with, but I'm a skeptic. I'm sorry, guys. You're into the gateway drugs, though. This is slippery slope. Sorry, Albert, you're already gone. <laughs> I still think I, like, I see... I see it happening in like cool ways too, though. Like there's some very like, like Nanamika still tucks on some of their stuff and it's like that stuff, they managed to make it look all right. I think like, I think it, for, for like for people who tuck in all mm-hmm. the time, it's going to be hard. Like it's just not going to work as much. You're going to look like you're wearing athletic pants. But mm. for those of us who still sort of, I'm going to go crazy if I hear untuck <laughs> it one more time. But if for people for people who do not tuck their shit in and who have done the work not to just find a different shirt. Um, well, this but yeah, the, uh, I feel like there's. <laughs> what's the opposite of an ad? Uh, don't sponsor the pod. <laughs> you can still sponsor us on Tuck It. <laughs> do we know who coined the term "easy pant"? Because I feel like that really just captures mm. it, and it's a term that has only like come up in the last. I don't know, maybe four or five years. And yeah, it, it, and I love the, uh, the, the difference between the, you know, the dialectic of hard pants versus easy pants <laughs> rather than hard pants and soft pants. It's like when we had hard Brexit and soft Brexit. Wh- which one did you end up with? Um, I think like a medium rare, but the weight is, the weight is fat on it before he gave it to you. I don't know where that etymology, I like though that hard pants could both be like difficult or solid (laughs) like you can use it both ways like like it's you know like easy it does work as a foil for hard pants um yeah you don't have to button anything you just pull it up you know like it's basketball shorts it's it's like i cannot tell you how how happy i am that like all the brands that i like offer me an alternative now i have to say i do want to try and get a pair i do want to try and get some that are wide enough well, now we're also in the we we've gotten like they've gone mainstream enough that there's subgenres. <laughs> so like the the climbing pant has completely like just mm. popped in the last two years. So you got like the web mm. belt going on, which like mm-hmm. I climb in Gramichis all the time because they're great pants. But I also just mm-hmm. wear those pants around. The Orslo climbing pants I have, I feel like it'd be irresponsible to climb in, but <laughs> I also kind of want to start climbing them. Um, but like it's it, those also have like the the comfort of the easy pant, they usually have a button, sometimes they don't, but then they got that web belt. It's like, you know, mm. now you got variety. They got a crotch gusset usually for that mobility when you're just when you're just out in the uh, the wild of the streets. 
I would buy Gramici in a heartbeat, actually. And I've, I've actually pulled up the page right now. Maybe maybe if you have a lull here, I'll, I'll order some. Yeah, those are definitely growing uh, in the States. Because Gramici had a pretty big presence like in the 90s, late 90s. Like my dad was really into climbing and I remember him having Gramici's and I had like little Gramici like climbing shorts when I was a kid. And wow. yeah, now these things are all very, very back. The James, you got one more for us here. Yeah, I wanted to ask uh, you guys about TCB. Um, seeing as blue and green have just got them in in the last four weeks. Um, and I was just, although, I mean, quite a few places in Europe sell TCB, um, and it's not exactly hard to get a hold of. I didn't know personally of too many US stockists um, or Canadian stockists. And it's been, it's been cool for me to see TCB grow from what it was maybe six years ago i don't know i even know how long it's been going but i'm just that's a, that's literally just a shot in the dark but like i remember for a while it was like it was kind of almost sold on reddit in a weird way or like super future and stuff but yeah it's just been cool to see like it's grown from this kind of niche kind of cult following to just like one of the bigger names in japanese denim and i just don't i think because i'm fairly young i haven't actually been able to see that happen with like because a lot of the other brands have just been going since like the 90s you know studio and before like shiodi artisan uh full count warehouse you know they're all quite long-standing brands but whereas tcb is a young brand but it seems to have kind of just launched up doing that same thing you know it's like repro denim um not that not always accessible silhouettes you know it's all pretty traditional um so i was just wondering if you guys have ever owned any of it or seen it in in reels or worked with it in any way yeah it's always good to see another japanese brand come up that uh wants to bite levi's really hard that like they haven't been beaten down yet and i hope this isn't a thing that uh their presence in the U.S. now at a U.S. retailer like puts the you know eye of Sauron that is Levi's <laughs> yeah. like onto their brand <laughs> and like eviscerates them. It's like <laughs> a lot of their their stuff is very explicitly like this is a Levi's pant from the '40s. This yeah. is one from the '50s. This is one from the '60s, mm-hmm. and like down to the like the little patch that is like everything a Levi's patch except you replace the uh, the horses with cats. Mm-hmm. Is it more um, or less explicit than Evi's? I'd say honestly, like a little bit more, probably, because like Evi's, like Evi's still had some of their own unique branding, and they had the like you know tongue in cheek thing of like it's Evi's, not Levi's. But like you look at a pair of TCBs, and it looks like a pair of uh, LVCs, yeah, which is not a bad thing. Like I had a pair of the fifties. I got them a couple years back. Um, the the fifties cut. Um, and I really, I, I was kind of at a phase in my life when I was not sizing things exactly right. Um, and I got them raw and soaked them and, um, because they were a fuller cut. And at the time I wasn't quite there, you know, mentally, I kind of sized down a little (laughs) bit too much. So I didn't have them for as long as I would have liked, but, um, they, I mean, at the time, I think their prices may have gone up, but at the time, like their prices were extremely reasonable. Um, and it was, they look like LVCs, but they have like more accurate fits. I mean, like a forties 
mm-hmm. LVC is going to fit a lot slimmer, or sorry, 50s LVC is going to fit a lot slimmer than a 50s TCB will. So it seemed a little more like true to the original, I would say. Um, and I've always yeah. kind of in the back of my mind had that feeling like I want to to get a new pair. I just, I don't know, like when am I, 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 have, I have a closet full of, you know, crisp denim i'm never gonna fade so i don't know what the point is but i i i really had a positive experience with uh the tcbs that i had reed did you have any anything this week uh it's I okay wrote, if you I, don't i wrote about some birkenstocks it's incredibly on brand for me in addition to, <laughs> to switching off uh pants with buttons i've kind of let go of shoes with backs <laughs> when i can <laughs> <laughs> Everything about me is just, it's like, it's impossible at this point. I'm, I'm just like sort of sitting back being like, wow, this is who I am. I just, I like, I don't want any effort wearing clothes at all. I still care about them deeply. I just, seems like a lot of work. Like even the sneakers I've been wearing recently, I can kind of just pop on at this point. Like they're right, just. You got those, uh, those story Reeboks slides, right? I got, I did get the beatniks. Yeah. <laughs> those, I, I ripped the strap right off the back and I was like mules. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I wrote about some shearling, some shearling line Birkenstocks, which uh, there's nothing really revolutionary about a Boston, but if you haven't, haven't dipped your toes into those waters or into those clogs, I guess uh, I don't know what, what you're waiting for ever. Um, like a perfect, perfect shoe for every scenario. In my opinion, I'm sure other people have different thoughts on, uh, on that matter, but um, I had a faded Lee, like a Lee rip double RL jacket, um, that it came pre-faded. So I was like, I was like, this is, I, I don't know. I feel like I'm going to get dragged far harder for my take on, uh, <laughs> easy pants on this podcast. Like I, I'm like, my name will be mud in that discord, but, um, speaking of the discord, I apologize. This is who I am. I can't, I can't help who i am um but yeah no i wrote about i wrote about a double rl jacket double rl was for i have like a contentious relationship with double rl only because of of past work experience union made overbought double rl to the craziest extent of all time they do like i'm not even joking seventy thousand dollar orders per season sometimes at wholesale like and it'd be like 100 120 skews and double RL caught like copy wise. I think I wrote about this in the piece, but like double RL will specifically be like, this is referencing a 1943 Mackinac jacket, but, and then they'll go off on 42 more details that they've included, which is incredible. If you are a consumer and also care about, uh, stories that go along with your garment. But, um, that was the longest, hardest product launch every single season. So now when I see double RL, I think I still just shudder. I'm just like, Oh no, this, this smells like fiscal <laughs> irresponsibility and, and like crazy detail. Um, and like they would send these brand books. I don't know if you've ever seen, have you ever seen the double RL brand book? Anyone? Yeah, I've seen one. Before. I have. They are so fascinating until you actually have to use one for, for like its intended purpose. And there's no index on these things. You're like verifying shades of green being like, is this the olive one or is this the dark olive one? Because <laughs> those two are not the same years. Oh man. Yeah. But that's, I, uh, yeah, I did the Leland, the Leland jacket or the, it was a jean jacket done in a Leland wash, but 
but it was based on mm-hmm. on an old lead jacket mm-hmm. as well. Um, pre-faded, so I was like, I don't know how people are going to take this one, but you know, as as we were saying, times have been hard. Go easy on people. If they want a comfortable jean jacket, let them rock with a comfortable jean jacket. And there is a place for that, for pre-wash. I'm, I think I've gone past that now where I'm like, I can't, I really can't be bothered to just only wear raw denim. And if it's faded, I have to have faded it myself. Like, that would be so ideal, but it's just not my reality. I work in an office. Mm-hmm. Like, when you're going through fade submissions, it's like, I, I drive a wrecking ball truck. And it's like, I can't do that. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, I just sit in an office in my jeans. Hey man, those Indonesian silver miners, they make the best fades. <laughs> exactly, exactly. We live in a fast-paced world. Sometimes, you just need to slow down and stop. Heddles Plus, the noon membership program of exclusive content, giveaways, discounts, and a community chat forum. Try a month free with the code extra blowout. Okay, welcome back. Now, Albert, you had a big story that ran this last week that you've been working on for quite some time about widespread claims of abuse and sexual assault that have been surrounding the Colorado franchises of Buffalo Exchange, the uh, vintage retail store. Um, wondering if you could take us through what the story was there for folks that have not been able to read it yet. Yeah, sure. Um, so this is a story that kind of came to our attention in July of 2020. Um, around that time, an Instagram popped up called Buffalo in the Room, and it was detailing claims of all kinds of malfeasance in the Buffalo Exchange Colorado locations, all kind of centered around one of the partners in Buff- uh, Buffalo Exchange Colorado, uh, Todd Coletti. And the the claims really ran the gamut from full-fledged sexual assault to just harassment, belittling employees, um, bullying on the basis of race, of size, um, really everything of stealing from the till uh, and leaving and leaving um, employees in the lurch to cover for him of leaving of running a huge uh, uh, tabs at bars and restaurants and, the, and around the stores and then leaving employees to cover them. So just the, the picture it painted was a really abusive environment and um, a really scary person kind of helming it. And as we delved further and spoke to people who had worked in some capacity at the Buffalo exchanges, particularly one person who requested that they be kept anonymous. Um, it became clear just how 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 slow the process was of understanding how toxic the environment was. They used the the phrase of the um, you know the frog in the boiling pot, just the idea that if you know. The as a, this the expression goes, you know, if you were dr- to drop uh, an animal or frog in this case into a pot of boiling water, it would hop out, obviously. But if you raise the temperature slowly and slowly, uh, then the frog would be cooked. And I think it, such was the case for the employees because their things would happen that didn't seem too big, just 
some an outburst in the shop might occur. Um, but there were all these kind of uh, perks to working at Buffalo Exchange. I think if anyone's been to a Buffalo Exchange and met the people that work there, it seems, at least on the surface, a very cool environment. The people they hire are cool. They know a lot about clothing. So it was a desirable place to work, you know? Um, this has been building for, for a really long time. A long right? time. A uh, guy, uh, Todd Coletti, that was the, the partner there, he'd been there for like 20 years in, in this kind of environment before you know, right. the, the silence was finally broken. And I should go back because... So Buffalo Exchange Colorado is one of is currently the only or was the only franchise of the Buffalo Exchange name. Um, and it came about because um, Todd Coletti was a childhood friend of Rebecca Block, who is the daughter of Kirsten Block, who is the founder of Buffalo Exchange. Rebecca Block is the current vice president. So there was a relationship with the the uppermost, uh, you know, uh, echelons of the company from the get-go. Um, and so, yeah, Buffalo Exchange Colorado was formed in 1996. So it was running in some capacity for almost 24 years, and Todd was there for 24 years. Um, and if you look through uh, Buffalo in the room, you'll see people, the older the, older the, the relationships are with Todd, the less incendiary the comments. There are people who, who knew him or allegedly knew him way back when. But they even then they were saying that they felt not ne- didn't necessarily feel safe around him, and this was a man you know in his, uh, I believe, I want to say early, late forties, uh, um, who was uh, mainly working around very young people, eighteen year olds, twenty year olds, um, and I think as that age differential increased, the longer he was there, the more kind of egregious his behavior appeared. And um, so essentially what happened was after the, the, the stories came out, um, Buffalo Exchange Corporate ended the franchise agreement with Buffalo Exchange Colorado. And in the aftermath of that, what we learned through speaking to our source was that there was a strong likelihood that at least some portion of Buffalo Exchange Corporate, or I personally believe this to be the case, had some inkling of what was going on in the Colorado locations before Todd was finally removed. Um, I believe this because the first time, or in one occasion when two women came forward with complaints about sexual harassment against Todd, um, they not only reached out to the other silent part, the other partners in Buffalo Exchange Colorado, they reached out directly to Buffalo Exchange Corporate. At that point, Buffalo Exchange Corporate sent contracts, essentially, to all of the employees in their franchise stores, uh, saying that if the employee wanted to continue to work at a Buffalo Exchange location, specifically Buffalo Exchange Colorado location, they had to, they had to acknowledge that corporate had no you know, responsibility for their safety, for their well-being, or anything like that. And... I think a big question here is, you know, what is the responsibility of a brand? You know, if you're allowing stores to be open using your name and there are bad things allegedly happening in your, you know, under the umbrella of your brand, um, what is your personal responsibility? So there were people that tried to raise alarm bells um going back years um 
There was an independent HR person who worked at Buffalo Exchange who ultimately left five or six years ago because around the time these, these women complained because they were unable to affect any change at Buffalo Exchange Colorado. At least our sources believe that was the reason for her, that HR person's departure. And it just made me, I, I've worked in retail. I know a lot of us have worked in retail. Retail can be hard, just it, retail is, can be challenging. And I think that it's so important in retail to feel supported by your management, to feel supported by your coworkers. And um, this was a situation in which people were not supported. In fact, they were being abused. And part of this was related to a really kind of unprofessional environment. Um, There's a lot of drinking and partying, mostly, which is not, these things are not bad in and of themselves, of course, but Todd was allegedly proffering drinks and cocaine to underage people working in his stores. There were parties that went super late. There was this idea that you needed to stay as late as possible to get the invite to the after party. And that's when a lot of bad things happened. Um, a lot of the, the assault allegations uh, took place at after parties at Todd's house. Um, and kind of the update to this case, and I'm sorry if I've glossed over anything, was that in December, um, the Denver DA came back unable to charge Todd Coletti because they had no, ta- they, these accusations had been made but no victims had come forward to, you know, go through an investigation. Um, And for now, the case is closed and Todd walks free. But, you know, in in trying to speak to people, there were people commenting on all the posts on Buffalo in the Room, people that were agreeing, you know, with what was being said, people that had worked in the stores and were, you know, knew about Todd and they still, there's still this fear. I think that, that Todd has, you know, there's still this fear in Todd's former employees. Um, and I think that they don't feel empowered to speak out. And I think there's a lot of reasons that victims of abuse and assault don't feel empowered to speak out, but, um, it's just really sad. And to hear people discuss their experiences, just, you know, people being forced to close a store temporarily during the day because they're being screamed at by Todd or witnessing his, you know, lewd, lewd behavior in the store. And then knowing that if they stand up, they will lose their job or they will be berated in front of their coworkers or berated in front of strangers. It was such a toxic environment. Yeah. It was, and- yeah. Uh, I think uh, it's the really disappointing thing about the end of this story is the only real result that came out of this was that everyone that worked at Buffalo Exchange got fired. That the exactly. when corporate cut the franchise, just like everybody lost their job in the middle of a pandemic. And uh, yeah, there was nothing set up for any of them. And I think in the way that they closed it, it made them uneligible for unemployment um, as well. So it was just like the people that were... Um, the subjects of you know abuse from the the owner um Todd Coletti were also subjects of you know abuse and indifference from the corporate headquarters of, of Buffalo Exchange exactly and i find it very difficult to believe that 
corporate had no knowledge of this behavior because in testimony that we've heard, um, people in the surrounding stores and bars and restaurants understood how, how cruel Todd could be. Um, there was an anecdote where mm-hmm. if, if, uh, if an employee at Buffalo Exchange left the store crying and walked to a nearby bar, the bartenders would pour them a shot, no questions asked, because they knew that the environment was so toxic and unpleasant. And, and it's just, it's just sad to see. I, I, I've got a little outraged because, you know, we're watching vintage and thrifting become this huge industry. And, you know, and fashion is, and retail, as we discussed in the article, has never really had this moment of clarity when it comes to abusers and people in power, you know, misbehaving. And it was just, it was outrageous to see these people, these employees just left so in the lurch and at the, at, at, at a really difficult point in the pandemic too, in August, when shutdowns were still in place, it was really hard to find work. You know, that was a point when I was personally relying on unemployment to get by and to have lost work entirely would have been devastating to me. And I think for most of us. Yeah, you hear like, oh, why don't more people come forward about these stories if this is happening? Why don't they just tell somebody? And you see in this situation, the result of that is, and uh, Todd Coletti was removed from his position of ownership, but like everybody lost their jobs. He's not uh, being prosecuted. It's... uh, you know, it, it, and one of the former employees like took their own life. It's not uh, the demonstration of the environment that you would hope to see when something like this comes to light that you would think that like, oh, just by telling somebody, hopefully it'll make it better and it would clear the air and make it less likely for something like this to happen again. But that doesn't seem to be the outcome here at all uh, in the way both, you know, the um, uh, the district attorney in Denver handled it or the Buffalo Exchange corporate handled it. But yeah, just a a really tragic story all around, but hopefully one that, and I guess like our intention in sharing it was to bring light that, you know, this is the brutal reality that happens uh, behind the scenes and like pretty much all levels of fashion. And the more that we're aware of it, hopefully the the more, and even though it wasn't the case here, the more likely it is that uh, things like this won't be tolerated in the future. And you know, I, I, as I was writing this in LA, I was seeing all these billboards pop up for Los Angeles apparel headed by another alleged abuser, Dove Charney, and a similar kind of character, uh, somebody not as openly vile, but somebody that is accused of a lot of financial misdeeds and general impropriety with um, with female staff members and models. And, you know, it's just, I can see, you know, it's so clear in this context why, why people would feel disempowered to, 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 to stand up. And I think that, you know, we as consumers have to do whatever we can to, to, uh, to avoid the, the bad players in this industry whenever we can and to call attention to this kind of, you know, evil behavior when we see it. So uh, once again, I would like to thank everybody that, that uh, spoke to me, um, even those who didn't want to reply to my emails and things. And I totally understand just how challenging 
um, a time this, that was. And, um, and a thank you to, to you guys for, for letting me write about it and for putting it on my radar. Yeah, I definitely never heard, I hadn't heard anything about it until I saw it, you know, in our kind of editing queue and, and saw a little sneak peek of what you were writing. Um, I always feel silly when you say things like, oh, this is really shocking because these things happen regrettably so regularly, like these, these, these like expose stories about people and like the terrible things that have happened over years and years often you know sometimes longer like you look at like harvey weinstein and stuff like which is a pretty that's a very mainstream sensational story but it's just it always boggles my mind how these things happen over such long periods of time and involve so many people and so many stakeholders yet i guess that's why they do become these complex like hushed issues because there is so many people that hold a stake in it and i think when you need to to expose someone like you know especially in a private company like that you know you, a lot of the time you, you you're choosing like your livelihood over like your dignity or your well-being it's like it's a really difficult thing to do for a lot of people you know because like even if you work in a really corporate job with loads of job security like if you choose to fight back over something like that, there's always the risk that, you know, you're going to have to leave that job or something. There's always that hanging over you. And it's like, obviously it's not even just in the workplace, but it, it's just so complicated. And yeah, my, my uh, thoughts are with those people that have had to deal with that in that toxic environment for so long. It's really damaging. Well, hopefully there is, you know, some justice for the, the victims and the, the people that have uh, you know, lost their jobs unjustly. Here at uh, yeah, there is a GoFundMe that was set up for the the former employees, um, which we can link in the show notes. Why don't we take another quick break before uh, switching gears again, and uh, we'll be right back. Attention, blowout listeners! Stop by the Heddle Shop for a wide assortment of sweaters, knits, and Teamster tees available in the newest colors and styles. Our denim tops and jeans for men's and boys are made in USA and are available in a rainbow of colors at a low heddles price. Visit shop.heddles.com and use the code BLOWOUT for a special listener discount. Oh, welcome back. We got the uh, last thing we're going to get into today is that this is a release week for Heddles. Doing a reissue of our Quint Cap with Knickerbocker from a few years ago, which is up on the Heddle Shop right now. Uh, this is one that I didn't have any intention of redoing. It was originally subjected to my 15-point manifesto, if you all remember that, <laughs> that I made for collaborations. And one of which was uh, that things would never be made again, <laughs> but... We got a lot of requests for this, you know, like a lot of where's the Jaws cap? Can you make me another Jaws cap? Like, I saw you in a photo wearing the Jaws cap. Can I have that one, please? <laughs> like, I'm going to find out where you live type thing. So it was motivated me to make another. Threats? And yeah, it's uh, sometimes they work. Sometimes they work. Um, but threats of, you know, maybe selling a lot more hats. But yeah, uh, so it's, it's out now. The production during a pandemic had its difficulties because this is one that was entirely like conceived and sampled and done. Like, 
during the pandemic, like since April. And yeah, like timelines definitely um, expanded more than intended there, but like really happy with the product that we uh, had come out of it. And yeah, excited to get these on people's heads that a few people um, that were Heddles Plus members like already got their hats. They ordered them a little bit early. Yeah, uh, happy to see these back out there. A couple things that uh, fixed from the original. Uh, uh, yeah, always, always proud to have something like physically, like tangibly, like not a online article that exists in the real world uh, with our name on it. Can you can you remind me what the differences are between this issue to from the first one? Um, I know there's some, but I can't remember them off the top of my head. Yeah. Uh, probably the most important one is the size is like, this one is a bit bigger because the, the, the first one was a little bit small is like, um, this was in 2016. I think we released the, the first cap and this was done at Knickerbockers like uh studio where they cut and sewed everything mm-hmm. as well. It was this old like hat factory in, um, Bushwick that, uh, they had like, I wanted to make this hat and they dug up this like set of old dies, like from the forties, like the, the die cutting, um, like pattern for a five panel hat. And, uh, yeah, I guess people's heads were smaller back then. <laughs> and <laughs> it was a thing that like, I didn't realize is bad, but we got a few returns of people that like, even though the, the like thing it said was, we're not going to do returns on this hat. People sent me pictures of it, like on their heads, not fitting. <laughs> And I was like, oh, dude, like, yeah, I'll take it back. I'm sorry. <laughs> so it, it fits a little bit bigger. Hopefully it'll fit people's heads better. Um, then we changed the, the leather that's on the back strap that the first one used a veg tan salmon leather, um, which I thought still looked cool, but like it stretched a little bit. It didn't have as high of a tensile strength. And um, so we used a wolfish leather, which behaves a bit more like regular leather mm-hmm. it doesn't stretch out a bit it's a bit tougher and i think it looks cool too and this is from uh the same tannery it's this one in iceland that's uh called atlantic leathers that only uses um like fishery byproduct other than that it's pretty much the same hat mm. uh the the interior like sweatband tape is a little bit different i changed the material on the um the label a bit it's that same sort of like crinkly type stuff you would see on um like 70s and 80s era military jackets yeah but yeah we got the same material for the uh the waxed canvas same interfacing on it same like pattern pretty much except for making it like a teeny bit bigger i was really this is not a a shameless plugging of that but i was super impressed when i got it in the post it's a very satisfying thing um it just looks so much like Quince hat it's just like it's almost like the kind of thing you like when you're in planet hollywood or something that's like eating a burger and it's just like on the wall do you know what i mean that was one of the things that i was most proud of for the original that there was like a lot of jaws fans that found this hat like after we released it and after we sold out that have been like bothering us since then we we love them (laughs) you can buy it now but like one of the guys that found it is this um Hollywood effects artist named Nick Mara who does he like did the crocodile for Lake Placid he uh has done like a whole bunch of other like 
on-screen effects. He like worked on Walking Dead, and he made a like lifelike, like photorealistic silicone doll of Quint that's like a one-to-one replica. And he had been looking for years and years of like, where can I find a hat to put on my like lifelike mm-hmm. Quint doll? And he reached out to us because there was a Jaws fan that uh, got the hat and was like, oh, you should talk to these guys. And he sent me this like half of a silicone head to like fit the hat to. And yeah, like we made a couple hats that are now on this like <laughs> museum quality Quint sculpture that he sold that was presented at all these um, you know, like silicone like uh like effects shows um so yeah that was neat i got to visit that uh that sculpture like in his garage when i was in la like four years ago that was kind of a weird thing because i'd never met this guy before and he was like to get the full experience like you don't want to like just look at it you know when the garage door opens that's where he had it in this garage it's like so you need to i'm going to open the garage and like close your eyes and like back (laughs) into the garage uh-huh. Then I'm going to close the garage door and then you turn around and see it. And I was like, okay, let me just text my friend the address I'm at first. <laughs> but yeah, he's a total sweetheart. And the thing is incredible. Um, and yeah, really, really uh, proud to make something that like could work as a costume, you know, that it's like try to be the most accurate type of hat that like, you know, nobody made a hat that looks exactly like the one on screen that could work as like, uh, something if you're trying to dress up like Quint, but also something that you could wear just as a hat, and it's a nice hat. Yeah, I love how soft the the peak is. It's like you can really like dial in how it fits and like molds to your head. Um, that took so many tries. That took is like that was the thing in the movie that he like wears the hat like folded, yeah, and, like, in the middle. It's like dented, and to get the right material that would, uh, you know hold but not like crease if that makes sense yeah. yeah and that took a lot of tries and a lot of samples like back and forth because like knickerbocker does the production in portugal now um and a lot of dhls to and from portugal to uh <laughs> get the the right satisfying bend in that uh the brim well if you have any uh Questions, comments, concerns, read what is our email address? It is blowout at heddles.com. Oh, thank you. And if you want to support the show, just think about maybe picking up a uh, Heddles Plus subscription. We got a free month trial for uh, all you listeners with the uh, code extra blowout. We got extra episodes, discounts. You can get a discount on the hat uh, and a bunch of other things. You can find that at uh, heddles.plus, just heddles.plus. Um, but thank you very much for joining us, everybody. And uh, yeah, catch you next week. Thanks. Bye-bye.